Welcome to ScreenQuest, a podcast where a fellowship of film lovers and armchair movie experts plays film roulette. I am one of your hosts, Chris Waterman from Jacksonville, Florida, joined as always by Will Rotondi from Greenville, South Carolina. Hey, how's it going? Of course, we also have the lovely May Finch, also from Jacksonville, Florida. Hey, hey, hey. How's everybody doing? Having a good week? Absolutely. Yeah, yep. it's been good. <laughs> Trying to keep Catching cool in the school. heat. <laughs> I know. I'm oh, so man. ready for fall, man. Mm-hmm. Marianne posted this meme that was like, uh, close your eyes and imagine like drinking cider and cool breezes and watching horror movies. And I was like, man, this is speaking to me so hard right now. Um, I used to I used to live in the mid-Atlantic and I don't miss it that often, but every July I miss it a lot. <laughs> even a little bit further north it feels so much nicer (laughs) it does it really does just in the evening especially like i feel like you get that reprieve where you can sit outside like on the porch and it's pleasant weather even if it's a little like warm during the day uh not so much here in the south it is oppressive pretty much 24 hours a day (laughs) it's like it's just a scale of oppressive like um you know highly oppressive to like moderately depressive or or not depressive uh, oppressive but maybe depressive as well (laughs) (laughs) well yeah we also like um i don't know if you get these where you are will but uh we often get like daily bad thunderstorms in florida during the summers and uh, last week I had one that knocked out my power for a good 12 hours. Uh, and if you've ever tried to sleep without AC, it is basically impossible. Oh, it's the worst. <laughs> oh no. And in Florida. Oh man. So that, that adds a little bit extra to the roughness. Yeah, for real. I mean, it does get pretty bad up here too with the humidity, but I don't think it, I don't think we have anything on Florida when it comes to <laughs> just that, that like persistent, ever present just thick wall that you hit when you go outside like does it feel like like if you went for a run would it feel like just drinking air down there is that where we're yeah i i can't do it (laughs) even in the evenings like i just i can't um you gotta wait till the sun goes down or if we're seeing the morning is best if the sun has not come up yet but that is hard to do it's hard to keep that bitch out of bed (laughs) (laughs) for those of us that are nocturnal especially uh well very cool uh on today's episode we will be uh doing our second i believe bullet time discussing a scene from the gift and of course as always we'll also be drawing a side quest but first uh let's uh not really wish a happy birthday so to speak but let's look back (laughs) at uh this day so on the day that we're recording july 17th in 1955, Disneyland televised its grand opening in Anaheim, California. Uh, so off mic, I was telling you guys a little bit about this, but just to kind of summarize, like it's a very famous uh, disaster um, nowadays. So um, the asphalt that they had poured for like, you know, people to walk around on was still soft because they had were down to the wire on construction. A lot of issues I know with some, like some of the unions and things. And a lot of people got stuck in the asphalt as they like rushed to enter the park. Uh, I'll see if I can find a clip and, you know, try to put it in here. Some of the, the, the craziness. They also had to choose between working toilets and drinking water and elected for toilets and instead had to pass out um, like cups of water to uh, to the guests, um, you know, throughout the day. 
just famously an example of something that really could have sunk. I know that like Walt Disney was perpetually like on the brink of being broke. Uh, and it was not a great first impression for people, but um, of course the rest is history and uh, they, they seem to be doing all right these days, but um, yeah, I, I've never actually been to Disneyland. I've only been to Disney World. Have, have either of you been to Disneyland out in California? No, no but why would you? Disney World is the superior one. So why, yeah. why even mess with Disneyland? <laughs> it it oh, is. I mean, genuinely like so much larger, like uh it if you've ever seen like photos or like talked to anyone the size difference is apparently just like stark i think you could fit all of disneyland in the magic kingdom parking lot i think is a statistic that i heard one time <laughs> like um so to wow. give you an idea of the size difference um, wow yeah the 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 first i heard about this disastrous day was actually like as referenced in jurassic park right they kind of like have a little throwaway line and ian malcolm and his ian malcolm ways is like well when the pirates of the caribbean breaks down the pirates don't eat the the tourists but, um, <laughs> it's actually quite fascinating i'm sure i like it's just the tip of the iceberg of shit that went wrong but um <laughs> to go back and and kind of like read through like some of the accounts and again i really hope i can find some some news footage maybe they were kind and like you know to shot the other direction um i'm sure there's got to be photos or something out there but, wow mm -hmm. so i guess uh happy birthday to disneyland sorry you had such a, a rough start um rough birth right there yeah uh, but look how far you've come look how far you've, you've made it <laughs> yeah come come a long way like i said that walt disney company um i don't think they're they're having many uh, financial problems these days um so all right <laughs> let's go ahead and draw us a side quest see what we get here and it is a guilty pleasure so as a reminder for um I don't know, have we drawn one of these before yeah like we i feel like we had one but yes, as a I reminder <laughs> go ahead sorry <laughs> I, I was just gonna say yes and i got to talk about uh, one of my favorite Christmas films, which is the Netflix Christmas Prince. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I do remember that. I put some clips of that in that episode. Uh, it was awesome to watch some of the, uh, the advertisements for that. Uh, so this is discuss a film that you know objectively is bad, but you like it anyway. <laughs> uh, Will, since it's kind of, uh, it's your nomination, I'll give you first crack at this if you want it. If not, I'm sure I can dig up something. Oh, hell yeah. I can totally throw one out there right now. <laughs> Dune from 1984. Uh, David Lynch's oh. Dune, which yeah. I will say with a caveat, I actually think is better than people like to make fun of it for. Um, I agree. But I think that's something that has gotten better with age. So because I remember when I first watched that movie, uh, I, and I still criticize it. Like I, it's still like a running joke with one of my best friends about it. When we'll talk about it, we'll just, we'll, we'll throw out quotes from it. And it's very memeable now. Um, but just generally when it came out, it was so weird and just, I don't know, like the, the costumes were strange and some of the decisions to adapt the film from the book were weird, but there was so much about it that was just sort of fun. Like I felt like for trying to condense such a long story, it was actually pretty good uh, that they crammed as much as they did into it. And that 
I mean, at the end of the day, watching Patrick Stewart like slug like a giant like space gun over his arm in one hand and hold a pug in another and shout for the duke and run into battle i mean i don't know you can't get much more kick-ass than that right so i mean there's that special effects are actually not too bad considering um but man from what i hear like wasn't david lynch like in line to do return of the jedi at one point so just imagine how trippy that movie would have been if if that was the case <laughs> yeah i'm not sure about that i know he's like disowned like uh his vision of dune um he like just famously like hates it uh i mean listen you got a soundtrack by toto all right oh like, my god uh, right it was amazing of africa fame of course uh sting is the villain like sting of the police uh, is the villain um you got patrick stewart kyle mclaughlin is paul atreides like come on mm-hmm. um one of the most amazing like people um i mean he's just so fucking funny um but yeah i i think like my biggest gripe with that movie is like some of like the like it's very expositional like with the voiceover and they try to do a lot to like bring you up to speed very quickly uh by mm-hmm. like telling you and not necessarily like showing you Whereas, like, mm-hmm. of course, like the, the new adaptation is like really successful because it takes time to breathe and it's a lot of context and you have to kind of pick up things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I agree with you, man. I think that movie is um, is quite enjoyable. I watch it every couple of years or so um, just for, yeah. for laughs. There's a, a kind of an extended edition of it that's like a 45 minutes longer or so that's, um, I yeah. think arguably like even better because like you get more of like what that was, but um. May, if you've not seen this, like you owe it to yourself to experience this gem. I've seen clips, so I know about the costuming, and that's definitely the thing that gets made fun of, <laughs> at least in my circle. Yeah. Uh, casting is phenomenal, obviously, and I didn't even realize Toto did the music. Um, it's it's high on my watch list. I've only seen clips, but um, yeah, I love. I love Lynch. I love Dune. This just seems like an unholy child. <laughs> <laughs> it's it is a so close classic. to being like a class. You know what I mean? Like like genuinely yeah. a classic. Like it gets right there. It's just something about it doesn't come together, and it's really unfortunate. I think the still suits actually look pretty good. Like they're. I think those yeah. designs were fine, but it's some of the other stuff that's a little like. Hmm. At least Man, it's not but... troll too. <laughs> oh, nah, also I, a classic. <laughs> <laughs> but no, i love i love that that uh that pick man that's uh that's good um i nice i watched one. it in preparation of the the one that came out last year yeah last year 2021 yep. yeah uh i'm very and... excited about the casting of the new one too by the way but sorry oh, man. to digress yeah no you're great I, I was just gonna say and actually as a as a nice little uh tip of the hat over to the other podcast that you were associated with that you guys did like a dune um episode that i had the pleasure of being on uh to talk about like the comparing the the movies to the book so that was awesome for the ecg podcast yeah r.i.p we might do a special there's been grumblings about just doing a special at some point like just uh just to shoot the shit for like an extended period of time and check in but um yeah that's right back together baby (laughs) <laughs> please do because i got into it like right before you guys shut down and oh I, uh, I took yeah. it personally <laughs> oh, i'm sorry it was we we saw your subscription and we were like you know <laughs> we've peaked we've peaked, we've peaked. Uh, nowhere to go but down from here 
Um, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. I, mean, I just, I know, you know, if you, if you like a podcast, you like a show, you like a restaurant, it's, it's going to shut down. You just, you just got to accept it. Such is life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe someday we'll do like a monthly or something like, or, or you know, if talk about, but, um, but it was, it was fun. And that episode was a lot of fun. It's cool. That was like, I think a lot of people's first, like kind of venture, uh, back into movie theaters, which was, um, you know, mm-hmm. um, what a movie to kick it off, you know? Oh, um, yeah. I was so glad to have seen that in, in the cinema. Well, excellent. Uh, thank you for your, for your choice. And now I'm like tempted to see if that's uh, streaming anywhere, just so I can, um, put it on in the background, if nothing else, and enjoy the, uh, the cheesy dialogue and the amazing soundtrack by Toto. <laughs> Dude. I mean, <sighs> Yeah, rocking out like electric guitars and sci-fi totally go together. And Toto is amazing. So yeah, and especially enough. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. What's up? I just speaking of the guitars, I just recall there being like some kind of like riff or like guitar solo while he's riding the sandworm, and it's just like it's, it's genius. Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's does it get man. kind of like mad maxi for a bit? <laughs> oh yeah, kind of. yeah. Actually, yeah. yeah. That's a good comparison. It's not a bad comparison. Oh actually. yeah. Man, that's a good <laughs> versus right there. Mad Max. We'll versus. add it to next season. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Taking notes right now, May. Taking notes. <laughs> it's gonna happen. I'm sorry, like, what were you gonna say? I was just, I had like a really weird thought. Like as we're connecting all the dots and all the the six degrees of Kevin Bacon and like we usually do, um, I think the first time I ever saw the original Dune um, was sort of the extended version because there's like a little introduction that they do. There's two introductions. There's like one that's narrated um, by Princess Irulan, and then there's another one that's like the extended introduction that gives you like the the history that leads up to the story in Dune. Um, and so like the machine uprising that they have and, and all that. And so I think that was the version that I saw and it was on the Disney channel late at night back when I was a kid. So just as a really weird sort of like, I don't know, just everything that we've been talking about with Disney as well. Um, thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They used to show some odd stuff on the Disney channel. Like, and they that like really, me. I know, yeah. like for some of the, like the really weird stuff that's in that film, maybe they cut that. Maybe they had like a censored version where they didn't have. Oh, like they always censored the bastard, shit out of like yeah, Vladimir Harkonnen and all that. Yeah, the kids bopped it. Yeah, a big yeah. time. Like it was kind of odd. I think we have some VHS like recordings of movies off Disney Channel still from when yep. I was like well, a wee lad, and like I remember like the first time I saw the uncensored version of some of those films, I was just like oh wow like um this feels filthier than it probably would have because i've seen the censored version and seeing like what's put back like it's like you're really aware of it um i don't know (laughs) hey long live uh david lynch's dune even if he's not a big big fan of it (laughs) uh that reminds me before we move on if you've never seen the the documentary uh jodorowsky's dune that is one of the coolest coolest stories like in film production history like ever so he tasked H.R. Uh, Giger to do like all the designs of like the planets and like a lot of like the, I think like costumes and stuff. Uh, like that was, I think like technically in production when it shut down, like they had built sets and stuff. It's a very interesting uh, story about a movie that like 
kind of like happened or like almost i mean like it was like right there um it, that movie would have been terrible but i would have watched it in a heartbeat <laughs> um just like all the changes that they were going to make with it but uh yeah good joke yep. for a document documentary if you want to see something kind of interesting all right well let's let's move on to our uh, topic of the show uh which is uh the gift specifically um a a scene that will nominate it so uh will i'm going to turn it over to you my guy um take us away cool well i guess i'll give a little bit of a of a background about the plot for the gift um for those who have not seen it yet um, i would definitely recommend it before you listen to our podcast because i feel like we'll probably spoiler alert quite a bit as to what happens but if you're into the mystery the southern gothic horror mystery stuff then uh, i definitely recommend watching the film first just so that you can enjoy it but uh generally speaking the plot is uh, we've got kate blanchett who's the the protagonist of the film she plays annie wilson who's a widowed mother uh, living with her three kids in brixton georgia i want to say it's georgia i know it's brixton but uh the title of the film, The Gift, is referring to her ability to see events that are either going to happen or have happened. Uh, so her clairvoyance uh, ability is the gift that she's able to use to help people in the town who come to her asking for her to read to uh, read them or do a reading for them using the uh, tarot cards that I've got up here on the behind me for those who are tuning in to watch our YouTube video. But uh, essentially what happens is the fiance of the local school principal goes missing and Annie's abilities are able to help the local authorities in locating the body of Jessica King, who is played by Katie Holmes, um, and then also helps to implicate Donnie Barksdale, played by Keanu Reeves, in her murder. And for the record, and I know I said this last week, but Keanu Reeves <laughs> gives an all too believable, in my opinion, gives an all too believable performance as an absolute redneck piece of trash in this film. Like he is, he is very creepy in this movie. Uh, there's a few twists and turns. There's very notable auteur jump scares, quick zooms, horror-esque makeup choices and camera tricks that are pretty standard fare for a Sam Raimi film. Uh, so if you've seen other stuff that he's done, Evil Dead is like the big thing that people always uh, talk about is like a cult classic. But you know, he did the most recent Doctor Strange uh, film, yeah, the Spider-Man films back in the day, back in what when I was, I don't even know how old I was, but it's been like, what, 10 years longer than that? Way longer 2004, than 2004, so, I think, yeah. is when the original or 2002, maybe. Um, yeah, it was 20 years. when we were in high school. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and actually has a couple of folks in this film that were in uh, the Spider-Man movies. Uh, so for those who were watching, uh, we have the same lady. And let me pull up her name real quick. Rosemary Harris, who plays Annie's grandmother, who was Aunt May in the uh, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movie. And also J.K. Simmons. I got to give a shout out to that dude who's in like everything. Uh, but <laughs> he plays the sheriff. <laughs> in this film and he's he's very typically uh jk simmons so appreciate having him there uh but i digress so there's a few as i mentioned there's a few uh twists and turns we eventually do find out by the end uh, and get closure on who the real killer is and what happened to jessica king um and an important side note as well because this is important uh we we do value this in our film choices that no animals were hurt in the making of this film that i'm aware of uh, we did not see any dogs get killed 
unlike yeah. some other choices before. We did see an, a cute little dog, a little puppy that was running along some kids that were absolutely ignoring the dog but that's about the most of it so but yeah no and then there was a pet dog too uh yeah so lot good good dog content i will say like uh <laughs> very strong content warning for domestic violence uh, yes we'll get into absolutely. that but like that yeah strong content warning on that one there's a lot of it it's very relevant in a lot of ways to stuff going on today but you're correct that uh, definitely uh be warned about language be warned about uh domestic abuse so um but yeah so before we get into the the scene that i chose for us to talk about i'd like to get both of your impressions of the film overall um and in this case i believe this is one of the rare chances where kind of like uh with the deer hunter you know this is one where neither of you have seen it before you know so the first uh chris I know, May, we always pick on you. So I'm going <laughs> to turn this over to Chris first uh, to get your impressions yeah, on the film. Yeah, man, you're up to plate. So uh, tell us uh, your thoughts. Uh, yeah, so um, I would say like overall, I found this film to be fairly enjoyable, if not a little uneven. Like some of the performances for me were significantly better than others. Uh, for example, like I agree that uh, Keanu Reeves is actually pretty believable in his like general attitudes and like what that character is. Uh, I found his Southern accent to be uh, atrocious, like it dropped <laughs> uh, like every other word or so. Um, uh, yeah, I didn't I just I didn't care for a lot of the accents. Uh, having grown up in the South, um, it was believable for only a handful of characters. Standouts for me, though. Um, performance well I thought uh Giovanni Rabisi was uh amazing like he was uh I mean that performance was great uh Kate Blanchett uh has a couple of really uh standout moments um the courtroom scene in particular uh pretty powerful stuff uh I thought that I had the twist nailed down um like really early and I was like I was pleasantly surprised that uh like I'd kind of overthought it um what it ends up kind of being was uh, I didn't think really any more or less interesting than what I what I picked but that's not really the point I guess you know of, of the movie um yeah like overall I would say like I enjoyed it. I, I there there's some I, I think my uh my overall engagement kind of like wax and wane throughout just depending on it um I was very frustrated by some of the threads that are kind of left like unresolved at the end of it I think would probably be my biggest gripe uh, in particular the Keanu Reeves um mm -hmm. uh Hillary Swank like that storyline um like don't get they spent so much time on it I, I would have liked a little more closure there but um yeah overall good movie I'm glad that I watched it like I mean it's uh it's one that was completely off my radar and um had a had a, had a uh, overall good time watching it so excellent all right May what are your thoughts um I think it is a good like southern gothic horror movie overall i didn't super love slash enjoy it uh part of that is just like my personal like viewing preference is i get very uncomfortable with like domestic violence scenes so i like wa watch this one in pieces um which is like the intention obviously to make you uncomfortable but um yeah i didn't love it i did uh, obviously like like Kate Blanchett's performance um Giovanni uh is you know does a great job as Buddy um 
I had the same issue I think with Keanu as Donnie I think part of that is also just like knowing him in like so many cool or lovable roles it's like really hard to see him as the bad guy so um that was kind of jarring because it's like you really want to be pissed about all the stuff he's doing on screen but also it's like it's Keanu uh, how are you going to be mad at Keanu <laughs> so that like took me out of it a little bit um as far as the twist goes I I feel like because I uh used to have a bit of a true crime problem um I like knew the ending right away it's it it's always the husband like it's it's, yeah. it's always the yeah. husband I'm sorry <laughs> I overthought that man. like I thought it was the dad actually because there's a very like way too familiar kiss and I was like oh like, yeah, yeah that was she's she's like a victim of like you know sexual abuse it turns out that's a different character uh, in the he, movie but I, like yeah sorry there is a lot of mirroring which I, I do always appreciate like callbacks and whenever a movie or a narrative has like a very um sort of like tight thread to the whole thing um so i did like that everything was kind of mirrored and like i actually thought everything was tied up pretty neatly um at the end and so like that that gave it like bonus points in my book um especially when you're she's kind of like realizing at the end who it is and she's thinking back to for instance what valerie was saying about how like angry like and murderous she felt because of the cheating and her connecting that to like Oh, the guy she was shooting on probably also felt that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and like making those mental connections was was interesting. And I thought that was good uh, just from like a filmmaking perspective. But yeah, like I'll be honest, it was like maybe a three out of five for me. But I think like within the genre it's in, it's a good film. Yeah, I think I liked it more than I thought I would going into it. Um, originally, it was something that my mom had seen. And I think probably for the actors that were in it, and she likes stories that typically have a happy ending or that have likable characters. And so when she watched that, she was just like, I can't with these people. <laughs> and I, I, so I understood that going in. And then I watched it and I thought, wow, I thought this was going to be an absolute train wreck. And this was like pretty, le- I mean, in, in my mind, I just, in my opinion, I thought that was actually pretty legit. And you're right. The accents are, that's the hardest part, I think, of any film trying to be true to a certain region. Um, and it's rarely done as well as like certain instances like uh, Coen Brothers movies where you've got uh, like No Country for Old Men or um, Fargo, where people try really hard to, to nail the accents if they don't already have them. Um, but yeah, it is always funny watching people try to be from the South. And then you're like, yeah, you're kind of there most of the time. But every once in a while, you hear the real voice creak. Uh, creep through or a variation of it so um but i think just aesthetically i liked a lot of the establishing shots i like i felt like i was in the south um so i appreciated that uh some of the the camera tricks i i liked um kind of the the typical sort of like jump scares i got i don't know i get into that kind of stuff so i appreciated that but uh yeah i think overall i liked it better than i thought i would um not I would say still definitely has its parts that that could have been done better but ultimately it was um something that i came away with and thought that was pretty good i could see that i could see it happening and i felt like the characters felt realistic to a certain degree um but also very sort of difficult to watch in some ways too because you get like the the small town life where 
you know the local authority like in the case of this film one of the the guys on in law enforcement knows donnie so he's pretty much like on donnie's side and doesn't take annie seriously when she talks about being threatened by donnie um or just general abuse to women in the movie um and that doesn't get reported because they're afraid of what's going to happen if they do and you get that with um uh, and her name is escaping me and i apologize i should remember this um with valerie? hillary swank's care yeah valerie yeah. barksdale who's abused by donnie uh played by hillary swank uh that's you know you it's it's hard to watch and um feel like you know to have somebody who feels like there's nothing they can do about the situation that they're in and then giovanni rubisi man like for dealing with mental health and dealing with um childhood abuse like that i mean there's there's a whole lot of stuff going on in this film to unpack that i think they do a good job of introducing it and trying to have a resolution but you're still like it it it's very powerful and what it's trying to to convey as well so it 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 is doing a lot and i i think one thing that helped it work for me was uh especially with like buddy and annie was partly their dynamic Mm because Buddy is obviously someone who's been through a lot, but also can be very difficult to talk to. And Annie just has like a supernatural level of patience and um, uh, kind of like reassurance for him and willingness to listen and help. And I think it's their their dynamic that kind of grounds both of those characters because I think there's definitely some uh, unbelievable aspects to both of them, right? And mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I think that their relationship does a lot to ground it. Um, I will also say I appreciate it with Annie. Um, just the fact that she's, you know, shown to have these powers and it's like, you know, communicated through the film that at least in the world of film, like these are legit, right? Uh, she actually has this gift. Uh, but it's also shown that she has her own issues in terms of like running away from grief, not really facing the death of her husband ever. Um, and also being someone who's so used to ca- taking care of everyone else that she has no idea how to ask for help or how to care for others. The number of times I was screaming at my screen because she like could have asked one of her kids to go like call someone or call the police or like was on the phone with someone actively and probably should have said hey by the way someone's breaking into my house yeah <laughs> and she no, just doesn't want to ask her help <laughs> drove me crazy but it was it was good dimensionality to her character yep. one of the things i love about annie was that like even though she does have the powers like often the most helpful thing that she would do with these characters that she was sort of like servicing like as a psychic was just good old-fashioned like real life grounded advice right like she often kind of like pivots from like the supernatural side of things to like hey like take everything else like out of it like let me just give you some real advice about like you know like your real world problems like using a little bit of common sense and like you know like maybe uh a bit of um i don't know like maternal um instincts right for some of the characters and i think that made her this character could have come off i think as being like a little bit like cheap like miss cleo-y you know <laughs> and like i think the fact that they allow you know and and like the the dialogue and the some of those scenes like for her to just be like a real person that actually like can just talk to them and like put the powers aside for a second just say like hey your husband's a piece of shit i don't need tarot tarot cards i can see this on your fucking face like your husband's a piece of shit you should get out of there right or 
um, you know, whatever the case is for, for them. I mean, there's multiple instances of that film. So I like that a lot. To kind of pivot then talking about her, her supernatural abilities, her clairvoyance. Um, if we can just kind of head over to the scene that I've got, uh, the, the one that I chose is actually relatively early in the film. Uh, it's when we get the introduction to Wayne Collins, who is the school principal who's engaged to Jessica King, uh, played by Greg Kinnear. And he and Annie are talking about Annie's oldest son. I think it's her oldest son he's talking about, who got into a fight at school. And during their chat, Jessica shows up. We get some foreshadowing as to her fate when Annie um, has a premonition. And part of that involves, like, we see, like, a little bit of a slow motion. There's a gust of wind in Annie's hair. Uh, there's a green pencil that we see rolling off of Wayne's desk and then falls and hits the ground. But when it would normally hit the ground, instead it falls into and hits this like this little layer, this pool of water that's on top of the ground. And we get this little quick shot of Jessica's foot that's, that's exposed and looks kind of slightly decaying. Um, after which Jessica, you know, asks about, you know, do did you see something bad? You know, do you, are we going to, you know, do you think we'll live happily ever after kind of a thing? And um, I think that I chose the that scene in particular just because I appreciate some of the, um, the parts throughout the film where we get some nice little bits of foreshadowing, uh, both direct and indirect. And so for direct foreshadowing, you get a film that's blatantly kind of telling you something obviously bad is going to happen at some point. Um, and in this case, it's Jessica's foot. But we also get a little bit of indirect foreshadowing where... You're given some clues just based on how the characters are arranged, what's around them um, in the scene. Like the uh, the two things, at least, that came to mind were the the fish imagery that you see behind them. Uh, both there's a fish drawing that's on the wall, like a little uh, child's uh, drawing that's up on the wall, and then also like a mobile, like a little fish that's hanging from the the ceiling that's back there, which I thought was kind of cool. And then sort of like the pencil falling to the ground, you know, it's this this green pencil. So we're thinking like, okay, wood kind of associated with the uh, the log that we see Jessica thrown against when she's dead. Um, or possibly even symbolizing the tree that Annie later sees when she has another premonition seeing uh, Jessica floating up in it. And so I don't know, those were a couple of things that stood out to me. Um, there's a few other spots throughout the film, too. You get nice little bits and pieces that once you kind of you see how it unfolds at the end, you're like, oh, OK, so there's like a little little clue here and there or some sort of symbolism that associated with it. Um, and so I, that was just something that I thought was was enjoyable to go back and rewatch and kind of catch some of that. But uh, I'd like to turn it over to you guys now, get some feedback on you if that was something else that you noticed or other thoughts you might have about this scene or just because the scene is so brief, if there were other scenes that may have had a little bit more of an impact to you that you, you wanted to talk about instead. So, And um, I guess, May, if it's okay with you, I'll, I'll pass it over to you to start. Yeah, so for me, the most interesting part of the scene was sort of like Annie's recovery when she's asked to get after she has that kind of vision like so do you think we'll ha you know have her happily ever after and you don't even like see her you see her hesitate a little bit but she seems like she knows it's better not to say what she's seeing at this point like pretty confidently um and it's interesting to think about kind of what's going through her head in that moment because at that point like it seems like she is fond of Wayne and I don't think she 
really lets herself suspect him until the very end of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm kind of wondering if her silence is more of a, I don't know this person, I'm not going to give them news that could, you know, be taken the wrong way or, or, you know, if it's more of a, if I speak, I'm afraid no one's going to take me seriously kind of thing, or if maybe it was just a bit of both of that, but it's interesting to see kind of how she, she handles seeing such a, a grim omen, especially since it seems like her visions, at least when she talks about like what she saw before her husband went off and had his fatal accident, um, it seems like her visions generally aren't so explicit. So for her to get an unusually strong thing coming in like that and say, oh, I definitely need to keep this a secret. Um, yeah, I just wonder what's kind of going through her head and it seems like she knows that even if there's a possibility of changing it, she just should keep her mouth shut <laughs> for now. That's an excellent point. There's actually something that I thought about too, which was, yeah, why like the one thing that she decided not to say anything about was something that was very obviously like foreboding. And so, no, I'm 100% with you on that. I thought that was very interesting as well. Chris, how about you? Uh, yeah, I, I th- like the scene uh, even more after like having finished the film. So I watched it a couple of times, like when I got to it and I was like, okay, um, uh, this is, you know, it's neat, like in like what it's doing, like obviously it's prepping you for like the rest of the film. Uh, but going back, like after knowing where it all ends up and and having all the facts like uh everything in that is very intentional green like is like a color of jealousy right um a pencil itself is like a, a tool of academia so it's like it's very literally telling you like you know like mm-hmm. the pencil associated with the principal green being the color of jealousy uh who's who's responsible who's going to be responsible for this horrible thing that happens uh, of course, like when you're watching it, you, you don't have any of that context, right? Or maybe not thinking about it, but it seems like kind of, you're like, ah, oh, man, like that is, that's a really cool, like subtle way of of kind of pointing <laughs> to like who the killer is. Um, as far as like why she doesn't speak up, like one of the things I kind of wondered over and over while watching the movie was like whether or not she has the ability to like change the future or if it's like one of those things where it's just kind of like predetermined fate. Uh, like I think to like minority report, you know, with the precogs where like, you know, it's sort of like what they see is like, can be like stopped. Right. But like, there's like, it's always going to happen if it's not like, if there's not intervention and I don't know if it's like the same rules and maybe she doesn't say anything because it's like, well, I can't stop this. Or maybe I think to like, to May's point, um, it's just something where she's kind of rattled and doesn't know if anyone's going to believe her. Like it would be an odd thing to be like, hey uh i don't mean to break up the party but um you're in grave danger you know um <laughs> like what, what is somebody gonna say to that you know um so and also i'm sure she's probably wasn't in the best mental state like with what's going on with her son you know she's trying to get out of there pretty quickly like from that discussion she's got tears in her eyes as katie holmes walks in so um but yeah i i, I really like this the scene again like uh, i had way more impact like when i went back and watched it after the fact i thought it was uh it's cool very cool it also feels very ironic for wayne to be counseling her on getting her son into therapy when clearly he needs some <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i think with that in mind then were there any other scenes that stood out to you in terms of foreshadowing that you really enjoyed later in the film or that maybe just tied back in really nicely, like a little bit of um, 
clues that you noticed later that tied into whether it was the ultimate reveal at the end or just sort of other issues that characters were going with and if it helps too i can throw out a couple that just come to mind which is one the bicycle that they found in the pond which then we get another shot of, the, of a blue bike that's outside of uh, wayne's house that's a nice little bit of foreshadowing um and then also the speaking of blue actually as a color that shows up a lot in this film the blue diamond that um that giovanni rubisi's character buddy mentions a couple of times when he's having um basically uh, uh, he's struggling through a lot of emotional baggage that he has from his childhood and trying to make sense of what it is that he's referring to and then finally learning later what that is in relation to um so just as a couple other ideas there and uh may i'm gonna pass it back over to you to, to get your feedback on that i feel like this is a film where I'll admit I had trouble appreciating a lot of the subtle foreshadowing just because there is so much overt foreshadowing in the form of like her visions matching up basically just to like later later screen grabs, especially like towards the end of the film. Like you see her see her see herself like struggling after she's been hit on the head several minutes before she gets hit on the head. And then it's the exact same scene that plays, you know, a few minutes later when she's actually uh, hit by Wayne. Um, so yeah, I feel like I didn't appreciate a lot of the solar foreshadowing, unfortunately. Um, I do think that the thing you mentioned with the pencil is interesting because it seems like logs are a, a, a common issue. That there's the log that she is like chained to, there's the log she's thrown against, there's the pencil. Um, and I don't know, I just like, I, I feel like, especially with something that's kind of the Southern Gothic, like the idea of just like kind of like dead decaying wood mm. or plant matter or whatever is, uh, I don't know, I feel like that must carry some kind of metaphorical meaning. I like it. Excellent. Yeah, that's, that's, I would say definitely something to more connected with nature to some degree, or perhaps uh, the, the danger of some sort of uh supernatural forces connected with with nature um i feel like very often in in films that are trying to take place in the south that the environment is very in a lot of them it's like the environment is very important in the sense of like establishing where you're at um establishing like the community that they're in and so just a lot of the I don't know, just looking at all the Spanish moss everywhere, <laughs> basically, and thinking, oh, yep, yeah, yeah, this this looks like it, or seeing like shots of the sky, or, and some of it too, like you can tell very obviously, like done up for the sake of the film, like not a not what it would really look like entirely, but it almost has sort of like a supernatural uh, sort of feeling in and of itself to making it like a sort of real, but not entirely real, um, which I liked about that. But, yeah. Chris, how about you? Any other thoughts about any uh, clues, foreshadowing, Southern Gothic in general? Yeah, so, um, well, a couple of things. So, uh, so specifically with the uh, foreshadowing, um, <laughs> uh, so when I said I overanalyzed like who the killer was, so like when the hands yeah. were around her thirds, I noticed the, uh, the watch and like the business-like uh... attire. And that's why I thought, there's actually a, when uh, the tarot readings happening with um, 
Jessica King. Thank you. Um, her dad actually like covers up his watch. And I was like, oh, yeah, clearly him. Like, because um, I was oh. on the lookout. I was like, oh, there's like a watch. Uh, and it turns out it was just like a very innocuous thing that the actor probably did like in the moment. But I thought for sure. I'm like, oh, yeah, he did it. Um, it's funny you say that because I, I saw that. I didn't pick up on the watch, but I picked up on the formal attire. And I mm. my mind went to thinking briefly like, oh, maybe it was the prosecutor that she was having an affair with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that then yeah, that was my second fake out. Actually, is like the scene where um, she goes over and he's drinking his whiskey and talking about sleeping dogs lie and do you want money? And it's like, oh well, damn, I'm wrong. It's him. And then, uh, of course, when the reveals is Greg Kinnear, it's like, oh fuck, it's the, of course it's the the husband boyfriend. Like, um, and then you know, I was like, I I way overthought this, but um, but I do like that like that sequence in general, like um you know with her being like strangled because it's a nice little fake out for like oh it's keanu reeves then you realize oh wait like the, the, there's like he, he doesn't wear suits so who is this and then like when you kind of connect the dots that she's sort of having like an empathetic um experience to uh you know um the the actual like murder victim jessica king um it's kind of neat um one of the things i um i love about the uh the southern gothic genre is there's always like uh this idea of like the grotesque and mm-hmm. i thought sort of the images of the corpse was a neat way to do that without kind of like you know, it's a little bit outmoded probably uh these days to have characters that have like physical deformities as being like the the topic of horror but that's kind of a classic trope so i think a neat way that they got around that was having like the bloated half decayed like corpse as being like kind of standing in for that that uh element of the, the genre I, I do have just kind of a, I guess, a thought question, or I guess also kind of a plot question. So Annie, she she sees like dead people that are significant to her life often, like like her grandma, right? And um, you don't find this out until later, but Buddy after he's dead, uh, and of course the murder victim. Correct me if I'm I'm wrong, but I don't think she ever sees her husband, right? I was thinking about that too after I watched it. It was think, also, yeah, that it was interesting you, that he didn't show up. I I wonder if he like is actually dead or if he like bounced and left town and that's Ooh, like part of her avoidance. It's my chance to get out. <laughs> I that's I don't an know. Interesting thing to but, consider. Yeah. Yeah. That would be uh add a, a dimension. Um, yeah. a sadder dimension to the movie maybe she knows it deep think, down because you'd, you'd think he, that she would see him and i thought that like maybe the reason she doesn't is just because she really hasn't processed his death yet she's not like ready but then she like seems to kind of accept it towards the end of the film and there's that final scene in the graveyard and i like replayed that looking to see if his like standing somewhere in the graveyard like his ghost or mm-hmm. something nothing so yeah i just like why isn't he there i'm, I'm dying to know he didn't really love her like he could be there but he's like nah <laughs> damn <laughs> no, i'm kidding okay i can't i can't got ghosted by the ghost damn. Ooh. all right <laughs> i feel like i don't know I, I, when i watched it i guess my impression was that i'm trying to remember if if it seemed like annie was surprised to see her grandmother like this was the first time this had ever happened or if this was something that had happened like on a recurring basis, but maybe that was like, Oh, this is the first time, you know, that she's seen her grandmother since she passed, or maybe it just has to do with the fact that her grandmother was there to be sort of like a a comforting 
um source for her before what was going to happen is sort of like not as well i guess in one in some sense foreshadowing as well um but also to sort of be there to help comfort her before what was going to happen happened um and then i i it, it's it's interesting too like with buddy at the very end where that maybe it was just something that he needed to do himself like he as you know like that was his character's motivation before moving on to where whatever came after you know so yeah i i don't know it's it's interesting like i, I felt like maybe it was just like a one-time deal like this is just needed to come in for this one thing to help out and then you know and then move on from there but we'll never know yeah. unless they do a sequel yeah come on bring it back <laughs> come on sam raimi do it and that's assuming like it actually was buddy of course like they kind of make there's like the line of like yeah. yeah they leave it a little ambiguous like head injuries are funny things like you know mm -hmm. did her fight or flight response like kick in and she's just misremembered like what happened she seems to be fairly capable um this the ghost angle is cooler you know it's it's more um in line with like the southern gothic genre but um yeah i guess the question is when did she really get that handkerchief back right <laughs> there's like a deleted scene where she picked it up later at when she's trying to stop buddy from like going all pyro on his dad or if it was like something else so but yeah. yeah and man that scene by itself i mean that's we we could talk about that but uh for the sake of time and also maybe uh just everything else that we, we've gone through perhaps save that for a future discussion but yeah, I'm talking about when lot. he tries to go denethor <laughs> like yeah oh yeah Lord of the rings reference for two episodes in a row um, yeah. hey hey you know what and it's coming uh the rings of power man so i i expect more from you on that to, to hold it back <laughs> Yeah, not but. to poo-poo on that. Like those trailers have haven't done much. I mean, other than like looking cool, like I, yep. I I'm gonna watch it because it's Lord of the Rings. But not yep. to digress too much. But uh, they've done nothing to like really make me any more or less excited than when like the project was announced. Like other than like okay, like they're they clearly have spent a lot of money on this. But yeah, mm -hmm. excellent. <laughs> <laughs> it looks cool yeah. i just yeah, yeah i just to me like the hobbit you know looked cool too but like uh all these do very... not look like the hobbit <laughs> no i know but also like it's really going to be the characters and the storytelling right that's going to carry you through for however many seasons they plan so nice. I'll, I'll be honest i haven't actually seen the trailers for it i just know that it was announced like way back whenever and uh so I'll have to check it out. I think I was sort of over and not, I shouldn't say over Lord of the Rings. I think I was less hyped about it after the Hobbit. Uh, just because I felt like when they did Lord of the Rings also, gosh, how long ago, 20 years now too, <laughs> when, uh, back in the day, um, that I, it was just, it was so good. I, I didn't think it could be topped. So, but yeah, I do love this age. Like, uh, I've, I've read the Cimmerillion and, uh, I do like this, like, era uh mm -hmm. it's to see like the rise of sauron like is mm -hmm. very very potentially going to be awesome because there's a lot of cool stories that come out of this but we shall see excellent sorry for the digression <laughs> oh no actually uh if we want to continue this uh train of thought we still need to come up with a name for our hobbit band uh so <laughs> 
might want to get on that i mean i got what let's see the bag enders maybe like we could throw that out there um i don't know gotta come up with some names man <laughs> still still brainstorming but yeah, yeah. <laughs> i know one song that you could do is like potatoes would be a cool like, like yeah with the hyphens yeah oh 100 yes. and then in parentheses of course boil them mash them stick them in a stew um, <laughs> <laughs> oh man all right I, we're it's gonna happen all right i just want you guys by the end of the season it is going to happen <laughs> I, I, I did think of an album name i think we should have one titled the uh the shire shanties hey, <laughs> yeah. i like it nice i could get behind that they have some like some pub songs like in part and some of those that are really like memorable in this film so yeah. i'd be that'd be down half the songwriting is already done easy yeah <laughs> Uh, on an even further tangent since we're just inceptioning down uh Do it. tolkien land uh, a really really lovely couple that we met um in new zealand like when we we're in new zealand uh on this epic hike on the north island and then like literally a week and a half later we bumped into them in town in queenstown like south like so like miles and miles away um Anyway, uh, the the gentleman, a guy by the name of Travis Sigler, uh, owns a we uh, uh, sorry, it's called Weird Mead and Leather. It's a uh, meadery and like leather shop in Portland. He was just nice. on the Friendship Onion, uh, so Dominic Monahan and Billy Boyd's podcast, uh, which was just awesome to see, like because he, he's an awesome dude. He, he's uh, worked really hard to start this this business up, so he got to like appear uh with like two of his like favorite uh i mean he, he's like huge lord of the ring tolkien like nut so to be like on a podcast with the two stars um i'm sure was uh, something that sent him over the moon so uh travis if you listen to this podcast dude that was awesome <laughs> um well done all the success uh is well deserved you've worked your ass off so uh check out weird mead and leather uh if you're out and about on the internet they uh they do ship uh nationwide uh both leather goods and mead um, and uh, if I ever get out that way, I've got to stop by. It's like all medieval themed on the inside. It's a really cool looking lead hall. So, awesome. Oh, that's awesome. Yes, definitely. All right. All well, right, guys. To... For the <laughs> there is like there are no apologies on this show for anything that we talk about, unless somebody does like a serious faux pas that we need to have HR come in about. I think you're good. So, <laughs> dogs HR, Sunters. I was gonna say the best <laughs> HR consultant you'll ever have. <laughs> uh, yes well no that's that's great and truthfully that's the best part of, of having these discussions with you guys is that we can go down the rabbit hole and if we don't have time for it it'll just get you know it'll get cut later but we'll always have the memory so that's what matters <laughs> and then it becomes exclusive content just for the three of us Look, it's on our Patreon. Uh, if you want to see the extended version um, where we ask other questions and share exciting stories and secrets about uh, Southern Gothic horror, please uh, contribute to us. <laughs> I'll do the uh, the screen quest, the B-sides. It'll just be like little five-minute clips of us going off on tangents that don't make it to the episode. We should definitely have some kind of a blooper reel or tangent reel. <laughs> all for i've oh, saved all the yeah. stuff like oh, uh, no. i archive <laughs> yeah i archive everything like um that we do like for now anyway until storage space becomes a problem eh, why not 
There you go. I mean, and you can cut this as well, but uh, I definitely remember uh, Marianne trying to not so subtly get past you. So, I mean, look, we could, that could be one of them. I know that's probably not going to happen, but. Sure, you've probably <laughs> seen me like have to stop and plug in my headphones like five or six times. So. It all the happens. Dogs. Stitch all that together. <laughs> you know, the dogs bark at like a FedEx worker that dropped off a package or, yeah, yeah. Or that my cat that wanted to leave that one time and it was like, sorry, gotta go. <laughs> but nice. All right, guys. Well, that wraps up all the questions, thoughts, uh, musings, rabbit holes that I had at least on the docket. But before I turn it over for our final, well, I guess to roll or roll i'm sorry completely different game before we pull the card for the next exciting quest we go on and also perhaps play a game um i just wanted to throw it back out to you guys if you have any other thoughts i i'm just gonna say um especially like with the murder mystery genre like it is kind of nice for like the twist just to be the thing that is like i guess statistically the most likely like i said jokingly at the start it's like it's always the husband i mean Jen ellie geez okay <laughs> <laughs> Blooper. <laughs> husband Ellie. Oh man. <laughs> dun 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 dun. Anyway, um, it is refreshing, I guess, in a way, for it to like not be what usually happens in movies, which is like, oh yeah, obviously it would be the mentally ill character. So like I was very scared for half of the film that it was going to be Buddy. And very very glad when that didn't happen yeah it wasn't a cheap nice. like twist like at all yeah. you know um yeah. so that was good uh, i don't have much to add on the movie this is oddly enough the second billy bob thornton project i watched this weekend um nice yeah so marianne for so long has been trying to get me to watch all the pretty horses and i love that book so much that I've mm -hmm. kind of like really resisted. Uh, and so I was like, all right, like I'll watch it. So that's what we watched Friday night. And it was directed by Billy Bob Thornton. Um, I think the script was done by somebody else. But uh, so when I saw his name come across the writing credits for, for the gift, I was like, huh, the universe sometimes just like pulls you into like strange places. You know, um, I had no idea before either watching that movie or uh, this film that he was involved in either of his projects. And here we are. So. Yeah, I could never really tell if it's like the the computer algorithm that's just like <laughs> listening to us or seeing what we search for when we do these podcasts. But I feel like every time we talk about something, I see a film or it's either the film we've talked about or I see stuff for like something very much related to it. Strangely, that pops up like a day or two later or just even later in the week. And so it's like, oh, we just talked about this film on our podcast. Yeah, probably because I did like a lot of <laughs> Google searching for stuff beforehand. But yeah, it is pretty cool, though. Just like the little the little connections here and there. So. Speaking of Google searches, I'm probably going to regret this later. But did you guys catch the Confederate flag in the back of the courtroom? Yes. I was like Googling yeah. like what state flags had like Confederate motifs in it. Cause I was like, I know Mississippi does, maybe Georgia did. They did not. So that was just the Confederate flag just casually in the courtroom. Yep. In the courtroom and on the front of uh Donnie's supersized tired uh yeah, truck that, that, that he drove up surprise in. me. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely not. No, that's very much in character for him. But yeah, yeah. no, with the courtroom scene, yeah, that was interesting too. Yeah. 
I mean, it flew at, you know, up until recently, it might still in some like state houses, but it was like on state houses, right? Like, so yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't, I mean, didn't surprise me really. Yeah. I still kind of rolled my eyes at it when I saw it, but, um, but yeah. 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 I remember when they took it down in South Carolina a few years, geez, eight years ago. I am so bad with time since COVID. I apologize. Don't ever look at me to be a historian about anything. Hey, time is relative. Einstein himself said so. So It's true. <laughs> so, Well, Chris, I think I'm going to pass it back over to you, sir. Thank you for the pleasure of letting me share this film with you both. And let us see what we have in store for the next time. Do we want to draw or do the game first? Oh, that is correct. I thought we tried we'll draw at the end i'm gonna do a quick pass to to may it's gonna be like you know uh a fast pace like final minute data. of a basketball game yeah <laughs> yeah so, give it to right. may first okay um will pick a number between one and 25 23 okay so what we're gonna do is i'm going to read off a randomly selected trope depending on the number will just gave me from mm. tvtrips.com and I think in the interest of time, we should just each kind of give like our top example of a movie that has this trope and maybe talk a bit about it. Uh, we can go go around and do that. So for number three, 23, it's going to be a fake action prologue. So a film that kind of like seems like an action film, but it turns out it isn't. So the vibe Ooh. of the whole film does not match that like action packed opening scene. Oh, interesting. I have one. It is one that we talked about kind of recently, but it's the first one that comes to my mind. Uh, so for, for for There Will Be Blood, it, the, the first thing is not exactly like action, action packed, but it's just such a different tone, like that first 15 mm. minutes from the rest of the film. And it, there's a ton of suspense. You're just kind of like waiting for the shoe to drop in terms of this guy like mining on his own in what seems like a really dangerous situation with dynamite um and then the rest of the film like has its like moments of sporadic violence but not in that like kind of same tension building lone like workman way right mm -hmm. like this tension in the last scene for sure and then a couple of the other like heated conversations and such but yeah definitely like at a at an abrupt tone shift after the first like 15 or 20 minutes of that film. I think that's a good choice. Yeah, it's it slows down um pretty significantly. And it's odd because there's very little dialogue, you know, like um in that. And it does seem in a lot of ways more suspenseful than a lot of what comes after for a long time in that, despite the fact that it has no dialogue. Oh, I can. I mean, my favorite movie of all time, like very favorite, uh, Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo. Like it has literally a rooftop oh, chase, yeah. and then it's like thirty minutes of Scotty driving around, tailing Madeline again with no dialogue and like really, really amazing mm -hmm. music and little else, just besides Jimmy Stewart perving. So I think that's that, that's an easy choice. <laughs> there you now go. Think about it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. No, that film is definitely like very start and stop with the action it has kind of like three main scenes that you're on the edge of your seat for and otherwise it's like this is a creep yeah. <laughs> madeline it can't matter to you madeline <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh. Nothing like telling a woman that her hair color and general appearance can't matter to her. Like, oh Oof. God. But it's very important to him. <laughs> I'd say Casino Royale. When we first got the introduction to Daniel Craig's James Bond, because the beginning of that film is, and I, and I, this might sound weird because I'm talking about a James Bond movie, but I guess let me, I'll qualify by saying that maybe it's not as like action packed as most James Bond films. I don't know if this will, this will cut the mustard or not, but I think you made a great choice. Continue. You got it, dude. So like in the very beginning, we see like this car, this parkour um, chase scene that goes on for, I don't know how long, you know, and it's, it, it culminates in basically the typical giant explosion to end the conflict that we're so used to in most James Bond movies. So it's like the class, it's a very typical opening for a James Bond film, but then the rest of it's much more subdued in terms of like actually sort of trying to, I don't know, like the, it, it's like the long game of trying to sleuth out the bad guy and what he's going to do and how Bond's going to make his move. And there's a lot of, it's a lot darker and more sort of like character driven to a certain extent, like much more than you would expect from a James Bond movie um, for his character and for Vesper and culminates not only in a lack of a car chase scene that you get pumped for because you're like, oh, all right, he's going to race this, you know, this, this, uh, the sports car or whatever it was that he hopped into at the toward the end and he crashes it. It's like he goes around a curve and I think it's Vesper's body is tied up or out on the in the road and he swerves to avoid her and he flips the car and he gets hurt and then suddenly cut to James Bond getting tortured <laughs> by the bad guy and almost getting killed by the bad guy except for like the bad guy associated with the bad guy that we learn about later and so I thought this is so uncharacteristic for a James Bond movie um it's not that I didn't like it. I actually really liked Casino Royale, but I uh, it was so unexpected to see like a movie that hits the ground running with action. And then it's like, no, we'll have some later, but not like what you're used to as the James Bond that a lot of people grew up with. Hot take. I think Casino Royale is the best James Bond movie. Besides, like you could make the argument, I think that... Um, Skyfall like might be mm, that but, is the best I, James Bond movie. Yeah, I'm partially <laughs> I think, Skyfall. <laughs> but I think like it's I don't know, man. Like I think Skyfall is the most James Bond. Like may, maybe it's the best because it's more of what you expect. But Casino Royale is like up there. I don't mean just the Craig Bonds. Like I think those are two of the best like ever. And mm. I think what I love so much about Casino Royale is that it's essentially like a detective story for a large part of it. Mm. Um. And the reasons that you just cited, like um, getting to know who he like is and aspects of his personality, because it's a very different version of Bond than what you got before. Like there's some things like that are obviously carry over, but, um, you know, very much of a statement for him to say uh, to look like I give a damn when he's asked, like shaken or stirred, you know, um, for Mm -hmm. the the martini. Plus, you know, bonus points, uh, Mad Mickelson scratches his balls, as he says, like, everyone's going to know you scratch my balls, like when he's like hitting him with the rope. Uh, just incredible stuff. Uh, I watched all those on the on the plane to and from um, England because they were like on the thing. And I was like, I haven't seen these really since oh, they all yeah. came out. And so just it was great. And I never seen Quantum of Solace. So. That was fun. Not as bad as everyone says. Uh, it's pales in comparison to the other ones, but um, it's fine. Yep. 
great pick though, man. I think that is an excellent choice. Thank you. Awesome. Uh, if we had to rank those three in terms of like effective use of this trope. I'm putting Will's pick at number one as being the most effective just because of the expectations. I would do the same. Yeah. Sweet. Then I will vote for myself as well. <laughs> <laughs> well I actually really liked all it, it's hard to choose because I like both examples that you guys gave. I don't really I mean, I don't know. I think it was much more fun just listening to your examples than trying to choose like a winner in that. So I mean I can abstain, but I still I, I like both of yours too. So I I think Vertigo is I would put Vertigo as as my two and, and then there will be blood just because I think with Vertigo it is a bit more drawing than there will be blood. I think that there will be blood has a lot of different kinds of tension that run through the film. So even if you're not anxious from like an action-packed kind of scene, you're anxious for a different reason. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Basically the whole movie. Uh whereas like I did feel like it was more of a shock with Vertigo. So I, I would put Vertigo as my two and uh, there will be blood as my three. Calibrated, that's what I'd have as well, I think. Yeah. Cool. I think it's a good pick. There will be blood, but um, it's remarkably like reserved. Like if you watch, uh, speaking of, uh, I know like off mic, we were talking about North by Northwest. It's like also just had a, an anniversary. Um, something like that or that movie moves like just mm -hmm. from scene to scene um like which is like a typical hitchcock thriller like it's just go 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 whereas like vertigo is stopping so having that opening sequence if you're in the movie theater thinking like wow the whole movie is going to be like this like amazing and then just it screeches to a halt um mm -hmm. i think like that edges out uh there will be but a little bit for me whereas like you know just again expectation wise i know with a paul thomas anderson movie like um you know that there's going to be sort of like a uh, a rhythm to it you know where like really unexpected terrible things happen but like usually at unexpected times and it's a little bit hard to predict like you think there's a very yeah. memorable scene at a donut shop and bo uh, boogie nights when you guys get around to watching that that you're going to be like holy fucking shit <laughs> so there you go i've just set you up to be scared uh, or nervous when you see the donut shop pop up at some point Amazing. thank you chris <laughs> welcome suspense is where it's at <laughs> <laughs> all right should we uh draw our next card let us do it let's see what our next uh film is going to be my premonition tells me that no <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting, I'm getting, you, you know what, before, before I draw the card in the spirit of the, the movie we just watched, right. each of you guys pick a category. You have to pick a movie. Just pick a category you think it's going to be. Uh, let me pull up our thing real quick. Hold on one second. Cause I'm, I'm, totally gonna gonna, I'm, gonna do I'm just going to say director drill down is okay. It's director my gut, drill down. my gut feeling. All right. Hold on one second. That's what the ghosts are telling me. I feel like. It's good. I'm going to do both. I'm going to double down and say if either of you correct, I will buy you a pizza. I will send you a pizza. <laughs> oh, all right. I'm going to go with was the book better? And I'm you don't going have to pick to... the movie. Oh, you're, you're going to. I'm going to do it. I'm doing oh. it. <laughs> double or nothing, baby. Pride and Prejudice. May it's okay. going to happen. We're going to have all to right. talk about this. I'm down. All right. Director, drill down. down. Was the book better? Uh, do you want just for funsies to say what director drill down you think it'll be? Eh, I mean, you might as well take a shot, you know? I think it'll be Wes Anderson. Okay. Nice. Let's see what it is. 
it is another bullet time, believe it or not. Oh, <laughs> back to back. Okay. And let the record show, uh, I did um, shuffle the cards. Um, it's it's There's video proof. Uh, just what popped up. And it is number three on our list, which is another will choice. It is the yeah. finale of Wreck. Or I don't know like how that's stylized, if it's record. Is it Wreck? Is that how you say that? Yep. So there's two different versions. So this is really a question. There's there's a couple options with this. Um, and I say that because Wreck is a, I think it's Spanish. Um, I'm trying to remember if it was like where, like what Hispanic uh, film production it was, but it's a Spanish film that was remade as Quarantine for the English film, which is pretty much shot for shot a remake. Um, it's one of those in that category of films where we were like, let's not change anything, you know, let's just do it again. So we can we can do whichever one you would find easier to either get a copy of or perhaps would like to watch. Um, they're fairly consistent. I feel like if you watch one version, you're going to get the same out of it that you would the other one. Wreck actually has, I think it's like a trilogy. So whereas Quarantine, I think, made a, a, a sequel that was not anywhere. That's like they diverged after the original film. Um, but I'm down for either. So since you have the OG, my vote is for the OG. And that's the one that mm -hmm. you talked about way more. So. Let's do it. I would agree. Nice. It can't be harder to find than two of a kind. <laughs> That's a valid point. <laughs> the movie that you legally oh. cannot rent on digital <laughs> platforms. Yeah. Duly noted. Well, I, I will I'm, I'm say excited. for the. Yeah. I, I, I guess to. I don't think there's any dogs that get hurt. I could be wrong. Don't quote me on it. I'm going to have to look that one up too. But okay. uh, I, I hope I could be. If there's one, maybe one. But yeah, we'll see. Now this but. this is like found footage horror kind of, right? Like that's the the roughly the genre we're we're looking at. We're looking at found footage horror zombies. So oh yes. Amazing. Yeah. I've yeah. heard lots of stuff. I've so I'm very excited. Um yeah. and because today I was just talking about watching scary movies and cool weather, I'm going to like turn my thermostat way down and pretend like I'm in the fall, I'm gonna have like a pumpkin spice latte. No. Not really, but um, <laughs> no, commit I'm, to it. You gotta commit. <laughs> yeah, I think this is our first horror movie, right? Like, like straight horror that we have um, so far I that we so. could be. Yeah, yeah. Could be. cool. All right, thank you both uh, for another excellent time. Looking forward to seeing Wreck. Uh, thank you, audience members, as always, for your support. Without you, we wouldn't be doing this. Uh, so continue to please uh, share the podcast, like the podcast, uh, comment. You know, we like looking through comments on, on YouTube or uh, Twitter. So uh, chime in. Don't be shy. And until next week, we love you. Bye, guys. Bye.